making room for God is not always easy. His way is better, but sometimes it feels rather difficult. I don't know how you experience me, but I sometimes wonder, like, what do people think of me as they see me looking to be obedient to the Lord? And as I think about what we just sang, we'll get it right in just a moment, don't worry. As I think about what we have sung, I picture myself like Gideon in the wine press, like Moses in Midian on the backside of the mountain, like Abraham maybe wandering through the wilderness before it all came together. We don't do what we do because it's comfortable or because it's easy or because it's fun, but we do what we do because we believe that God's way really is better. And so we don't preach the gospel because I think that I might be a good public speaker. If I can be honest, and I believe that I can, so I will, <clears throat> this moment is too big for me. The reason why I preach is not because I feel like I'm good at it, but because I believe God has called me to it. And that should be true for us all. And so as we prepare to go into Psalm 91 on this morning, remembering who God is and what he has done and what that means for us, my prayer is that we do not experience this from a place of, oh, well, that could never be me. Or I could never do fill in the blank. No, it's because of who God is, what he has done, and what he promises to do that any of us can do what we do. So I pray that on this morning, what you experience is not some great psalmstress in Jelana or psalmster, we'll make it a little bit more masculine, in Zach, or some great expositor of the gospel and say, oh, we can never be like them. We can only do what we do because of who God is. And so may we all submit and surrender, truly believing that God's way is better and be willing to be uncomfortable for a God who gives up everything so that we can be in relationship with him. So with that, I ask that you would pray for me and pray with me as we prepare to enter into a moment that really is too big for us. Father, we are humbled that you, the infinite creator, the all-wise, all-knowing God, would choose to use those things which are foolish to the world, which are weak and simple to man, to demonstrate your glory, your power, your might. And so, Father, on this morning, through simple words in a frail frame, it's our prayer that you would be glorified, that you would speak to us and through us a spirit-filled word, that will charge us, that will challenge us, that will teach us your ways that we might know you, love you, and live for you. It's for your glory, for our growth, that we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 91 reads, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. The word of God is good all by itself. Holy Spirit, have your way. The psalmist is pointing us to the place of peace where we can find peace even in the midst of significant trouble. But he doesn't just point us to the place of peace. He's also making a very strong business case for why we should passionately pursue this place with a zeal and a passion that can only be captured by the picture of a deer that's panting after water. And the psalmist does not leave us in suspense. He lets us know right out of the gate where this place is. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The psalmist does not say he who dwelt, past tense. He does not say he who is strongly considering dwelling. He who dwells, this word dwells can also be translated abide, is to communicate continually remaining. He who pursues the presence of God will remain in the presence of God. Of God. And this person who makes his confidence the presence of God, the psalmist says, he can state confidently that the Lord, Yahweh, is my strong tower. He's my refuge, my fortress. This refuge is a shelter, this fortress, a stronghold. What the psalmist is saying is that God will be his safe space. So the one who makes his confidence the presence of God, he will find himself covered by God. God will be his shelter. God will be his stronghold. And the psalmist lets us know that this is not some wishful thinking, a hope and a prayer in some far off and distant land. No, the psalmist says that we can be confident in this reality because God makes a guarantee. God guarantees that the one who puts their confidence in him, the one who pursues his presence, 
that he will be their defense. It says here in verse 3 and 4, he will cover you. He will deliver you. Both of these words communicate defense. In the delivering, he's saying, I will come to your defense. I will rescue you. I will pull you out of that situation that you find yourself in. To cover is to keep, to protect. So he's saying, I will be your shelter. And the psalmist goes on to let us know what this fortress, what this refuge, what this shelter is made of. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. This fortress is built on God's faithfulness. And the psalmist, you might not see it very clearly or quickly, so allow me to point it out. He uses a word that has never been used before. In other words, in order to describe God as our shelter, as our refuge, as our stronghold, he has to make up a word because there's nothing in the Hebrew language that can capture what it means for God to be your cover. So he says that God, he is a shield. And we can understand what a shield is. This was a known word, very much used. This case, it's a large shield where you can hide yourself behind, and if an arrow is flying, you have no concern because you're behind this large shield. It's going to hit your shield and bounce off. But he says God's faithfulness is not only a shield, it's a shield and buckler. This buckler is to communicate surrounding. So in other words, the shield and buckler, the communication from the psalmist is God is your force field. He's got you fully surrounded. This shield doesn't just cover your front, it covers your side, your backside, your under, and your over. And if you understand who God is and what he's doing for you, you respond completely different. When you find yourself in trouble, the psalmist doesn't communicate it as though it's a suggestion. He almost says it like it's a command, and I believe that it is. He says, you will not fear. The one who knows that their fortress is the faithfulness of God, this force field that has you completely surrounded, rooted, and grounded, you don't fear. You don't fear anything that comes your way, the terror of night. The arrow that flies by day, pestilence that stalks in darkness, destruction that wastes at noonday. You just sit right in your force field. Michael, you don't see those arrows coming? Mm-hmm. Look at I just popped the, the arrow, just fiery darts. Ooh, that looks really scary. That the pestilence. Ooh, pestilence. I'm in my force field. I'm not worried about the pestilence. You can't penetrate this force field. God's got me covered. His faithfulness is sure. And so though there may be some scary things, not that the things aren't scary, because of who God is and what he guarantees, I find myself having peace in some really scary situations. Even though I may be going through the valley of the shadow of death, any valley that has the name shadow of death has got to be a place that I'm not going to take a shortcut through. But if my good shepherd is leading me, where are we going? Let's go. Oh, Lord, you know, this is the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, the valley of the shadow of a little bit of concern may be a better shortcut. No, you don't question your shepherd. You're leading, I'm following. And any danger that may come, my shepherd, his rod and his staff, they got me. So as long as I'm with my shepherd, I'm good. He's my force field. He has me covered. But he doesn't just guarantee that he will be our defense. He has more. For us, the psalmist goes on in verse 9. He says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. 
Now here he's communicating, because you have made the Lord your habitation, your home, your resting place. Because you have chosen to take confidence in the presence of God and make that your pursuit, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. (laughs) That's just good. Evil. Excuse me, God. Can I bother Michael? Not now. Go somewhere else. It needs permission. It will not be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And again, this is not wishful thinking. This is because of what God guarantees. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. His angels will take care of you. And because this is true, you will tread. You will trample underfoot the lion and the serpent. He will cause you to conquer. Nothing will have its way with you because God guarantees that if you make his presence your priority, that he will be your defense and he will be your protection. And we can rest in this truth today that if God is my priority, if I pursue his presence that I could experience his peace no matter what's going on around me. Now, we have to be careful, though, because if we try to interpret this passage in a way that we consider peace to be or what we consider to be pleasant, then we might think that, oh, okay, no evil will befall me. That means I'll have no problems in this life. That means I'll have no pain in this life. And so then we can start to think that I must not be pursuing the presence of God strong enough because I still have some problems. I just got to pursue it harder because if I pursue it harder, then I will be problem free. That's not what this passage means. Right. And the scriptures let us know this. Now, Satan in his deceiving self will look to twist the word of God. will look to just tweak it ever so slightly so that we can be misinformed and then disillusioned. But Jesus makes sure that we stay grounded so that we can understand the word rightly. This very passage, Psalm 91, that we just read, Satan used it against Jesus Christ himself and looked to tempt him to do some things a little bit differently because of the promise, the guarantee that God makes. And we see in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus enters into his earthly ministry. He goes to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan comes and tempts him. And we see here in verses 9 through 13, one of the final temptations before Satan is now removed from the presence of Jesus Christ because he's been defeated handily in this moment, that this is the very passage, Psalm 91, that Satan tries to take and tweak just a little bit. It says here in the Word of God, and he took him, the Satan took Jesus... To Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written. I'm like the nerve of Satan to use the scriptures, right? He used the word of God against the word of God. Like how you, it's just bold. But here's Jesus. Satan tries to manipulate the scriptures. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. So go ahead and jump, and let's see if God will keep you from hurting yourself. And Jesus says to Satan, and Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Jesus did not respond back to him. You know what? You're right. Because of the guarantee that God gave me, I'll never experience pain in this life. So I could just do whatever I want and know that I will experience no pain, no persecution. That's not how Jesus interpreted Psalm 91. And then if we look at the rest of Jesus' earthly ministry, he clearly knows Psalm 91, yet Jesus says the reason that he came was to die on the cross. So even in knowing Psalm 91, Jesus' understanding of it wasn't that in this life he would have no trouble. He was going to die on the cross for the sins of mankind, even knowing that no evil would befall him and that there would be no danger that would overtake him. No plague would come near his tent. So then what is it that Jesus understood about this promise that we too need to understand? See, this is not just a temporal promise. This is an eternal promise. So what God is promising is that we will be with him for eternity. It's very clear if you read the whole scroll that in this life we will have trouble. It's a fallen and broken world. So what God is guaranteeing for those who put their confidence in him is a peace that passes all understanding and a peace that's greater than any problem that this world may throw at you. So it's not in the fact that you need to pursue harder or stronger because if you do, you'll have no problems. No, it's to let us know that in spite of the problems that may come because of a world that's filled with sin, we can have peace knowing that there's a place that's promised to us where there is no pain and there are no tears. So we may have to go through some hardships. Jesus even tells us that we have to take up our cross and follow him. We have to deny ourselves daily. So I don't want to leave here this morning with a feel-good message, some prosperity gospel telling you if you just pursue harder, you can have all the things you want. No, pursue God with all your life, with all your heart, with all your soul, and I guarantee you, you still will have problems in this life. You still will have trouble in this life, but you will have God in this life. And there will be no evil that will befall you. You will find yourself in the presence of God for eternity. I'd rather be a blind beggar having my wounds licked by a dog in this life and knowing that I'm in the bosom of Abraham in the life to come than to be a rich ruler and find myself begging for a drop of water in hell from the person who I stepped over as they were begging for help. See, if we understand that we're dealing with an eternal God, then we can't try to capture this in just a little box of my feel good. Oh, Lord, I'm doing all the things that you asked for me to do. Now you owe me. No, God, you have saved me. Your way is better. I'm doing all that you would have for me to do because I know that I'm secure. I know that I'm safe. I know that no one can take from me the promise that you have made to me. It's a God guarantee and it's good for eternity. It's good from now to the day that the Lord calls you home and on forever. And that then should cause us to have a peace that passes all understanding. But when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, it's like, Michael, why are you so calm? A thousand are falling by your side and 10,000 at your right hand. Like, and you just look like you're relaxed. Like this cool force field. I'm covered by God Almighty. 
I don't understand it all. I don't even know how in the world I got into a situation where there are 1,000 falling by one side and 10,000 by another. But I know that God is faithful to keep me. And we need to grab a hold of that today. This psalm is powerful if we remember who God is and what he guarantees. But this psalm goes from being powerful to being prophetic when we look at verses 14 through 16. See, because now God enters the chorus. If you have your Bible, you'd see that there are quotation marks around those last few verses. So this is the word of God to his people. And God now enters and he makes eight guarantees in just three small verses. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Because he holds fast to me, the Lord is saying, because this person who makes their confidence in my presence, because they pursue me, right, this holds fast, is to attach to. It's the picture that Jesus painted when he said, abide in the vine. Because this person stays connected to me in love, I will. God says it himself, I will deliver him. Because he knows my name. This intimate and personal relationship, God takes it personal. I will protect him. These are guarantees from the creator of the universe. Listen, I understand that the world could feel like it's falling apart around you in your life. But we're all sitting here right now. And I don't see anybody looking like they feel even remotely close to unstable. You're not like, oh, the earth is spinning and shaking. You just look as calm and cool and collected. You're not worried. Is the sun getting too close? I don't know. It is getting a little warm. You know, is, is the moon starting to lean in? Are we going to spin off our axis? You have no concern. Why? Because God established the earth and it cannot be moved. And the same God who's holding the earth together is the same God who guarantees he will hold your life together. So the same way we can sit in these little flimsy chairs. They, they're really good chairs. Not, I mean, well-made, but you know, <clears throat> nobody's buying this for good furniture. You know, but you do these chairs and feel like, man, this chair has got me. We put more, mm, all right, we put more confidence in this plastic then we put in the presence of God. We find more security in our stocks than we find in the presence and the power of God. But God makes a guarantee, and it's only the guarantee of God that will ever be made good. So the Lord goes on to say, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Now, some of us might think, well, I don't want you to be with me in trouble. Just get me out of trouble. But God left us in this earth not to take us out of trouble. He left us in this earth to share his love with people who are in trouble. A firefighter doesn't go and look for a lake. A firefighter brings the water to the fire. We are the firefighters. And meanwhile, we're looking for a place where we can sit down and be comfy and cozy. No, we push back darkness with the love of God. And so we will find ourselves in trouble in this life. But God guarantees I will be with you in trouble. Then where do you want to be? 
Lord, show me where the trouble is. If that's where you are, that's where I want to be. I want to be wherever you are, Jesus. I'd rather be in a pit with God than in a palace without him. And most of us may not say that. Most people will not think that. It's like, just give me the palace, Lord, and I'll talk to you after a little while. No, give me God. Because he says he will satisfy you with long life. He will show you his salvation. See, now, if we understand the faithfulness of God, this fortress called faithfulness, then we call on God when we find ourselves in trouble. And the question that I found myself wrestling this week with was who do you call on in times of trouble? Where do you turn when you find yourselves in trials and tribulations? Where you turn is an indicator of where you put your trust. And the word tells us that we should put our trust in no one and no thing but God and God alone. Psalm 33, verses 16 through 19. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love. That he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. The war horse won't do it. The army won't do it. Your strength won't do it. Only God can keep you from death, sin, and the grave. Where do you turn when trials and tribulations come? We who know the faithfulness of God, well, there's only one person we call on. Right? If we know his name, and if we hold fast to him in love, then we call on the only one who promises to answer, who promises to be present. So we pursue his presence. And this is the lesson that Jesus is teaching all of his disciples. Right on the Sermon on the Mount, as we refer to it, Jesus was looking to teach this same lesson. Put your confidence in God and God alone. Pursue the presence of the Lord because he's the only one who can satisfy you with long life. And long life is not 80. Compared to the long life that God promises, long life in this life is, is not even a, a breath. It's just gone. It doesn't even register on the screen of eternity. He, only God can promise you long life. And so Jesus teaches us, don't put your trust, your confidence in anything, anyone else but God. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read a few verses here because it's the word of God. Amen. 19 through 33, this is Jesus teaching his disciples the very thing that the psalmist was looking to teach through that song. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his, to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. But you have to seek first. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Prioritize the presence of God. Don't seek after those other things, which anyone would say all of those things are necessary. Food, drink, and clothing, I'll die from starvation. I'll die from dehydration, and I could die from exposure. Don't seek after those things. No. Why? Because God will take care of you. Okay, so then let me seek after God, knowing that he will provide, he will protect, that he will cover. And this idea of seeking first is not, okay, seek God first and then seek those other things. No, this is meaning of most importance, first and only priority. Seek God and God will take care of you. But the Lord lets us know, Jesus tells us, you can't seek after God and money. You can't put your trust, your confidence in God and the world system because you're going to be devoted to the one or despise the other. So where do we turn in time of trouble? Who do we call on when we find ourselves in need of help? If we know who God is and what he guarantees, there's only one place that we turn. But if we're putting our confidence in anything other than God, then we truly don't pursue after God. And there needs to be a space where we don't have to try to put on a shelf where we really need to ask ourselves, what is it that I'm seeking after? What is it that I'm putting my confidence in? Do I feel like I'll have peace when I get the promotion? Do I feel like I'll have peace 
when I finally get to retire and then I'll have more time to do? Do I feel like I'll have peace? Or do I believe that no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, that the presence of God is where I find peace? And so even though this may be a scary season of life, I will seek first and only God. And I will not put my confidence in money. But I trust that God will give me all that I need. You know what you're putting your trust in based on how you respond in trying times. And just please, again, no guilt or shame. But if we're not honest about it, we'll leave here. Like, oh, yeah, I'm putting my trust in God. But are we? Because the Lord doesn't communicate it like a suggestion. He says, you will not fear. And we just read the word. Jesus says, do not be anxious. That's a command. So when I find myself feeling a little, oh, a little uneasy, well, what happened? Did my force field become faithless? No, I can still be in my force field and find myself rattled because of where my focus is. I'm focused more on the arrows or that scary storm that's coming around the bend. And so I have to look, listen, I have to look through my force field to see something else and make it bigger than God. And that's what we do. We look past the presence of God who has us surrounded, and we find ourselves shaken and rattled by darts. And I was like, Michael, I am bigger than that dart. Yeah, I know, but, oh, excuse me, it's coming. It's like, no. <clears throat> if I focus on God, yes, that arrow is a problem for me, but it's not a problem for God. See, a problem means that there's a situation that needs to be solved, and i got to figure that thing out. So I have problems, and I'm trying to figure these things out. But God is not trying to figure out a solution, so he has no problem. Like, you know, I got it, Mike. I'm going to take care of it. Just be still and know that I am God. Yeah, no, I know, but how soon are you going to let me know that you are God because it's getting a little close? Just as soon as I say so. Can we be reassured? in the power of the presence of God and leave here today not pursuing anything else. Listen, your peace does not have to wait until tomorrow. Peace is right here, right now. Challenged in your marriage, challenged in your parenting, challenged on your job, challenged in your finances. Yes, those are the things, right? That's the deadly pestilence. That's the terror by night, the arrow that flies by day. I get it. And it's scary situations. But under his pinions, the fancy way of saying feather, under his wing, he's got you covered. So, Lord, I come to you. Like, look, God takes confidence that you'll come to him, and he's ready to answer. When you come, I will answer. Are you willing to come to God today and lay at his feet all of those problems and say, Lord, I'm going to focus on the force field, your faithfulness, and let that be the place that I pursue, and let that be the place of praise.
today. We're going to take a few moments. I want to invite the praise team back up. I want us to sit just for a few minutes and consider what are some things that we've been trying to balance, God and money, God and position, God and comfort. And we've been trying to stay devoted to God, but also we really are distracted by some of those other things. God says you need to let all of those other things go because you cannot be devoted to God and money. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. What do we need to let go so that we can grab a hold of God and make the pursuit of his presence our only priority? To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if we do, I will deliver you. I will protect you. I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you. I will honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you. And I will show you my salvation. This is the guarantee from God. Will you turn to him this morning and say, God, for you and you alone, I will pursue no other place. There's no other space that I want to occupy my heart but your presence. And listen, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is a good day to run and let Yahweh be your refuge and your fortress, your shelter, your strong tower, your faithful fortress, your force field. Take a couple of moments and just truly sit with this. It's going to be silly, but God leaving everything and dying for our sins sounds silly to many anyway. I just want to encourage you, close your eyes. I know it can feel like you're in kindergarten, that's fine. Entertain it if you will. No distractions. <clears throat> See, because if we can be honest, there's not a single person under the sound of my voice right now that doesn't need the faithful force field of God to cover, protect, to keep, and to guard them. There's not one person who doesn't need it. So today is not the day to say I'm going to try to act like I'm from the woodlands and that I have it all together. No, today is today to say that I am broken, I'm hurting, and I'm in need of the one who guarantees long life. The one who guarantees protection, salvation. And so if we could just sit with our eyes closed and meditate on this moment going to have the praise team just sing over us. We want to make some room. We want to cut some things out so that we seek after one and only one, the presence 